Thank you for tuning in to the Change Your Filter podcast. I am your host, Tall Paul, and we are powered as we are each and every week by Contractor Commerce, where we see a future where every contractor has an online store. All right, now to the fun stuff. This episode is a little different, but kind of the same. This is a conversation with Scott Lindsay, who is currently the Vice President of Marketing at Intermountain Home Services and a former executive at both Lennox and then much earlier in his career at Train. A little behind the scenes here on how we produce these shows. I like to go into conversations with guests with somewhat of an agenda or at least a framework for what I hope the audience will walk away with. In this episode, I quite literally just show up catch up with my longtime friend and hope, as he always does, that Scott inspires me to make a difference and that I learn something valuable, as I always do. So to that end, Scott does not disappoint. Pay particularly close attention to the last 15 minutes or so where Scott shares three tools that you can implement immediately into your business today to make a difference. Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Scott Lindsay. So how are you? Uh, I'm great. It's a great day. Good, good. You're. It looks like you're in a hotel. I am. And it sounds like headed on a cruise. Yeah. So so today has been pretty awesome. So um, we uh, an hour ago we presented an LOI to a, a customer uh, joining our group. So nice. it's a friend of mine, longtime friend. Now he can be a multimillionaire, which is super exciting. And then uh, now I get to be on your. Sh- podcast which i feel like a celebrity um and then uh as soon as we're done we are loading in the car and we're going to get on a cruise ship and spending uh, a week in mexico with the family i have so many branches of that comment to take but i, I want to go to something you just by the way this is how it works it's just a hot mic and oh, start yeah. recording. <laughs> so you mentioned you an loi to a friend how critical is it to know and have friends when you're in the space that you're in right now because it's super crowded like everybody's calling everybody like how much of an advantage does that give you uh you know you know paul it's good and it's bad okay because you know i have a lot of people that call me and want to talk about opportunities with with private equity that may not be a good fit for us may not be a good fit for private equity period and so then i have to be kind of that that guy that says, hey, listen, you, you really got to get your financials in order before you do this, or yeah. you're really not big enough, you know, or, you're, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many negatives that I've had to tell, you know, lots of companies, hey, it's probably not the right time. So that's the negative. Now, the positive is, it, it, it helps me open doors to, you know, some of the best companies out there that are still looking to transact and, and do something different with their businesses. Um, and so, you know, this one specifically, you know, obviously I can't tell names, but, you know, I've known this, this company for a long time, highly respect them, always thought they were amazing. And, uh, and then come to find out they're looking to do something and we have a shot. Do I know them? Probably. That might be too much information. <laughs> Anyways, well, welcome to the Change Your Filter podcast. Oh, thanks, Paul. This is so exciting. I, t- I told you this morning, I-, I haven't been nervous in a long time, you know, and, but, you know, I listen, I'm an avid listener, you know, and so yeah. I listen to people on your podcast that are like life changing. Like I get done and I've written like pages of notes, you know, to, to use in my own business and, and with my group. And, and I'm like, how do I continue to, pay it forward, you know, with something that's, 
that's beneficial to anybody who might be listening to the program. So um, I, I'm ple- it's, it's an honor to be here. Well, if people knew our history, which they might know by the end of this podcast, they would know how, um, I don't know, just interesting it is that you would have, that you're even on here with me. I mean, you hired me into this industry forever ago and here we are and you were nervous and you being nervous was like the greatest um, compliment that I could ever have. Like, wow. Yeah, you're, you're you're a celebrity, man. Tall Paul. So don't gonna, you get? And you said you might drop the Tall Paul. Come on, man. Just hold you, on to it. You have to. You have to hold on to it. I think so. I think so too. And you I know, might edit that out because that felt not very humble saying uh, <laughs> I was excited about you being nervous. But you know, you know you. I I listened to one of your other uh, podcasts and you were trying to say where did it you know where did that name come up with Linux? I think William Eford. I believe so. As I was thinking about who coined that, like initially when you came to Linux, it was William. Which Will- you should you should have William on your show sometime. I mean, William, he, oh, way ahead of his time. Yes, and and so were you in many ways. That's man, man, we have so much to talk about. So look, I, I want to talk about cruises. I want to talk about private equity. I want to talk about <laughs> what's up with your your first or your second career move. I want to go back to your first career move. I have so much I want to explore. But uh, first, of all, are you a cruise guy? Yeah, so we've been on like four now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I've never been on a cruise. I have a zero out of ten desire, but here's why. I have this reoccurring nightmare that I'm going upstairs and the ceiling gets lower as I'm going up the <laughs> stairs until the last three or four stairs where there's no I'm like squeezing through the ceiling and the stairs. And for some reason it always feels like it's on a cruise ship. And I just feel so claustrophobic. But you're all in on the cruises. One, I mean, four cruises is a, that's a commitment. Yep. Paul, you know, I mean, we have four kids, right? And so a cruise is just the best because everyone can do their own thing, you know, and yeah. there's, and we're doing it for Thanksgiving. So there's no dishes to wash. There's no turkeys to cook. That's I mean, it's like point. skipping Christmas, but we're skipping Thanksgiving. So it's going to be awesome. So many of our listeners have reached out to me and told me that they, they love that we just get straight down to business and we don't uh, have a bunch of banter. And they're not going to get this in this episode because I feel like bantering. I've, it's been a while since I've seen you. So, um, well, where do we start? I think I'd like to start with um, take me back to your first kind of few years in the industry. How did you get to where you are today? Take me back as far back as you can remember. And if I think I know your history that takes you back to Colorado Springs 2001 too, somewhere in there. Yeah. Even before that, because I yeah. started with train in Tyler, Texas is where, where it all oh, started. Right. Yeah. And, it, it, and it was like one of those movie scenes, Paul, like I was literally graduating from college in two weeks at UT Tyler yeah. and uh, I was getting my car washed and I'm sitting next to Dale Green, um, who was getting his car washed. And I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to have a car like that someday. And he goes, that's my car. And I was like, oh, where do you work? And he's like, I work at training. He's like, you should, you should look at us. So then I went back and I found a connection that I had at work at train. He set up an interview. Two days later, I'm in an interview. And, uh, and it was the greatest interview of all time, Paul. Like we're having the interview. We're just going back and forth. They're asking questions. And the phone starts to ring. And we're in this little building, in this little room, right? The phone's ringing. And so at first, I just try to ignore it. And, and it's ringing. It's ringing. I was like, do you guys need to answer that? And they go, it's not for us. And I was like, is it for me? <laughs> and they're like, I think so. So I just reached over. I picked up the phone. I go, thank you for calling train. This is Scott. Can I help you? And, uh, and it was like this whole mock customer experience that they put together to see how I'd handle it. And uh, at the end, they were like, we'd like to offer you a job. And I said, I'll take it. 
And uh, so that's how I joined Train. And I was in their customer service department, just answering calls. And uh, after about a year, they said, you should be in sales. You need to go be in sales. And I, I was like, probably like you, I hated salesmen. I didn't yeah. want anything to do with sales. And, uh, and so I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. And they moved me to Colorado Springs. Okay. That's where I started as a territory manager for train. And, uh, my boss, Dan Thompson was in Denver, taught me so much. I mean, I was wet behind the ears, green as they come. And, uh, he taught me so much and, and I had just a, a really good experience. You know, I did the whole Western slope of Colorado, all, you know, all up to Denver around the 470 over I-70 to Grand Junction down to Durango, uh, over to Pueblo. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And then, uh, after that, uh, Gensco, you know, Gensco, the big distributor, yeah. they were in Utah and they pulled out. And so our trained DSO took over that. And Dan said, Hey, why don't you go, why don't you go to Utah and do the same thing you did here? And so I did that and then went to Phoenix with train. And then I kind of got tired of train and yeah. just, you know, I just needed a change. And then you had eight or nine years in there. Or? Yeah. I think like eight oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Significant. Yeah. And then, uh, then I had an opportunity to go work for Linux in Salt Lake and, you know, met my new boss, Brent Schaefer there. And, uh, in, in the rest is history. It's, it's been, it was a good ride for 17 years. So 17 years on the OEM side. Yep. Talk to me about, gosh, there's so, there's so many different angles to go here. So you get to Linux, you start kind of climbing the ladder, you start building teams, you start being well-known. Um, what were some of those things early in those Linux days that you were kind of known for? <laughs> there's there's a lot of things. When I was a territory manager, they called me the laminator. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what that? I was trying to go for. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, because yeah, because uh -huh. I had like I carried literally carried a laminator around with me because I was always yeah. looking for articles or things that could help uh, you know my customers sell at the kitchen table and and I would give them printouts and they just ended up you know getting all trashed and so I started carrying a laminator around with me and I would laminate things and put them in their sales book and help them build their book and uh, yeah that that stuck. Yeah, I, I remember um, we were so for listeners, Scott had hired me, you know, shortly after I'd graduated college and gave me a shot. And, um, you know, we were working with one another and we were riding together one day and he was going, you were going to shadow me. I have so many stories. You don't even know which one I'm going to tell. But I remember you were asking, like, well, what are you bringing to this meeting? And I was like, I'm bringing you. And you're like, no, that's not good enough. You're like, you can't just bring me. So you're like, okay, pull over. So we're driving along. You stop at a Starbucks. You're like, wait here. And you get out of the car and you go in and you buy a, um, a mocha and a Wall Street Journal or That's a New it. York Times. I think it was a Wall Street Journal. It was a Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Wall Street Journal. And we drove to the meeting and you're reading the newspaper. I'm like, this is weird. Then we go into the meeting and you open, you basically like, you know, say, Hey, watch this. And you open the meeting by, citing something that was insightful that started a conversation, which led to like actual value that we could bring in that meeting. And uh, I'll never forget that. But then I remember a few weeks later, you were with me again, being a great manager, spending some time with me. And we, same type of thing. We're sitting outside. Um, this was Furnace Physicians at Colorado Springs. Oh and gosh, yeah. you said, all right, I'm not talking. I'm like, what do you mean you're not talking? You're like, I'm not leading this meeting. You're going to lead this meeting. And I think that was the, the first day I learned how to actually do my job because I had to kind of cut the wings. But anyways, I could reminisce. That was, that was, that was fun, Paul. I, I, rem I remember that. I remember you driving yeah. the Taurus. I remember reading the paper, looking for something and that, but you know, I mean, that's something that train did really well for me when I, my time there is being intentional. 
you know, I think that was one of the first really words that I gravitated to. And, and intentionality was, was always so important uh, with me to try to, you know, really value people's time as you're going in to, to present things to them. And, and, you know, they had a, basically the, the, the design of their sales process was take them something interesting, work on something with them, then do your homework. That, and that was a pretty foolproof um, process to use as a territory sales manager. So you and I both cut our teeth in the industry out yep. front-facing customers. What has changed about that role from the, let's start here. Let, what has changed from the contractor's expectation of that type of position? We'll call it, for lack of a better term, what do they expect out of their rep or their TM, as, as you might call it? Yeah, and, and it's it's evolving for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always thought that, you know, our contractors are kind of like fish in fish bowls, right? And they're, they're all kind of swimming in their bowl. Some have big bowls, some have little bowls, but they're kind of looking around the aquarium and seeing other people's bowls get bigger. And, you know, they're kind of going, well, how's their bowl getting bigger, you know? And, and, and I have always thought and tried to impart with my teams is you have to take them the information that they need so they can grow their fish bowl. Right. And, and if you're not doing that, if you're just delivering donuts, if you're just doing the, you know, stopping in to get an order, that's not helping them grow their fishbowl. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I always tried to, to encourage my teams to be insightful, you know, take them, uh, you know, articles, best practices, things that would help them. Not everyone wants to. Right. Some people are just fine with their fishbowl. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be known as as the group that took things to help build, and uh, you know, and I think back to you know when myself and Ryan Van Tassel, uh, you know, when Brent allowed us to do what we call Dave Linux advantages. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, so that was, you know, Ryan was a comfort advisor, seasoned, and I was, I had never spent a day in the house, and the two of us got together, and we just created this thing where we got together every Friday, you know, with a group of twenty comfort advisors, and we just work together to say, all right, how do we do better, you know, um, you know, introductions? How do we do better load calculations, more efficient? How do we, you know, do we use, do we kick off our shoes and wear crazy socks or do we put on booties? I mean, we did all of those things. And like at the end, it was like six weeks. And at the end, like everybody in the class, they were like, well, we want to go next Friday. Well, we, we don't want it to stop, you know? And, and that was really, I think that was special for us because, we saw how 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 it changed lives. I mean, we took salesmen that were, you know, they sold you know a million dollars to three million dollars by implementing some of this stuff, and it was, and then that impacted the business, and they they liked us more. It was it was neat. It was a neat time. I I remember it fondly. You know, when I think about the the role of the rep, I think back to like the seventies and the eighties because I've heard all these war stories from all the people that were ahead of us that like had to carry a roll of quarters to go yep. call customers from a from a payphone. Then I think about how. You know, you and I were doing it before there were, was email on phones and then Blackberries and eventually iPhones. And, you know, I think about how that, that rep used to be like the keeper of the information. Yep. So like the, especially, you know, in the, in the more rural parts of the country, the contractors would be waiting for the rep to come by to share engineering manuals or product mm-hmm. updates or service bulletins and these sort of things. And then of course the world has changed and all of those things are now available at someone's fingertips, but the foundational things with reps really hasn't changed. Like, yeah being present, being intentional. And I think that if I'm, and again, we've got a wide audience here. So there could be contractors listening, should be, there could be people on the manufacturing and distribution side. 
innovation is not really required in that position. It's just consistent execution in the basics. It's just like when we talk about the kitchen table stuff here in a moment, like you don't really need new things. You need the foundational, mm-hmm. foundational things. So one of the exercises that you taught me early in my career that still come, I mean, constantly comes into play, um, kind of all over my, my working world was up and over. You remember <laughs> up and over? Oh, I love up and over. One of my favorites. So talk to, uh, for listeners who are listening, regardless of kind of what kind of business they're in or, or whatever, just tell, tell me about up and over. Uh, so, okay. I'll go back a little bit. So we are my cart, myself, uh, Todd Heinrich and Cody Jackson. So I'm name dropping a little bit. We're oh, all, yeah. we're sitting in a room and we're in, and Mike had been in Colorado cause he was coaching his girls softball team. And, and we got into this really deep conversation about who should the coach spend the most time with, you know, yeah. the, the best hitters, you know, the worst hitters are those in the middle to try to get them a little bit better. And, and just, I mean, we got deep for like an hour. Right. And we all had different philosophies, right? Yeah. Like Mike said, you know, you work with the, the the guys that were the worst. And Cody said, Oh, you work with the guys that are the best. And I was like, no, in the middle, you know, and get more bases. And, and, and then that evolved into us up on the whiteboard, then now talking about comfort advisors, you know, it yeah. kind of same thing. So we related the same thing. So your salespeople, who do you, who do you work the most with? You know, your very best, your middle guys that are pretty good or your guys that are terrible. And, and, and what the answer really came down to is all of them. You got to work with all of them, you know, but you got to work differently. And so we had this measure, we had this box, I guess it's a nine box up on the board. That's it right there. There it is. That's exactly what it is. And so, you know, we were able to really go in and and I think the axis was, you know, um, great at sales. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then loyal. loyalty, loyalty, yeah, loyalty. Yep. Cause we, cause from an OEM side, we were thinking, you know, if we help these guys get up and over, they'll be more loyal to us and they'll sell yep. more of our boxes. And so that was the, the those, that was the access. And so yep. we literally went in and just started plotting our people on this, on this quadrant. And right. then, and then we came up with specific plans to help them get better at sales and more loyal with the whole object to guide these people up one and then over, and over to the one. right. Yep. Yep. And, yep. uh, and it, and it was something as simple as just plotting everybody down and coming up with a prescription plan for each one of them that was different instead of just throwing spaghetti at the wall, you know, and saying right. everybody needs to go to this three day training, which they didn't, you know, to come up with really specific things to help them get a little bit better and get a little bit more loyal. And, and, and it, and it worked, I mean, for the most part, I mean, in what, what started again, as that talk about baseball, we brought it back and we did it with our territory managers. You know, we did it with our dealers. We did it with our, our comfort advisors. It was, it was a, it was a very special thing. Which, and it looks and feels a lot like the, I think it's the Harvard nine box that you learn in HR. Yeah. It's performance and potential. And you kind of plot people out. You know, it's interesting not to go into that because that is a tool that I use like all the time. Um, but if you think about the impact that just, and again, I'm, this is subjective because you and I were out in the field kind of during the same period of time. If you think about the rep to business relationship, you were generally, the rep was kind of calling on the owner of the business mm-hmm. and spending time kind of at a macro level. And when you drilled down to the individual employee and plotted them, and then as you prescribe kind of a game plan for the individual, yep. that has a compounding impact across the organization, then across the territory and across the country. And I want to say during our heyday, I mean, we may be saying too much here, but when we were really, you know, taking, 
taking share and, and moving the needle. It was a lot of that. It was. It was. It that, was a lot of that. It, it was feet on the street, hand to hand, individual to individual, make someone just a notch more loyal. Yeah. Make them help them be a little bit better of a salesperson. And then that compounding over geography is like point of share here, point of share there. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's maybe it's rose colored glasses. No, we saw we saw days. we saw it. It, it and it was it was special. And, and, and just again, you know, it's fine tuning, man. I mean, most of the companies, whatever business you're in, they're doing most of the things right. They're doing 90% of what they need to do right. But it's just the little fine tuning of things like that, where you do take the time to plot and then come up with a, a treatment strategy or prescription or whatever you want to call it, yeah. you know. And I think our customers, for the first time, really saw that we were trying to help them win, not just trying to sell them a box, right? Yeah. And that was a little different. And I think people felt that and they went on that journey with us. And that, I look back and that was probably the most special time in my career, you know, with, with Linux when I was with Linux is when we were doing that feet on the street, just yeah. going and looking for things to bring to them. And it, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, for listeners, we are now at the 20 minute mark, which is where I will acknowledge the fact that I went into this conversation, not fully intending on making it an interview that would have a ton of takeaways from the start, but more so be, it might feel like you're overhearing me catching up with a good friend for many years. So I apologize, but if that's your thing, hang in there. Cause this is, I've got more to catch up on. Um, that's the first time I've ever addressed listeners mid mid show. This is huh. all new to me, Scott. This wow. is like, I'm a brand, this is a brand new podcast. Rename it. Just trailblazing. Um, I love it. So let's talk about the role of the retail salesperson or the comfort advisor, the person in the home yep. um, engaging with, you know, a consumer, a homeowner. What has changed there? What is the same? What are your thoughts around that position nowadays? Just pour your heart out, Scotty. Well, that's one of the most critical uh, positions, obviously, within, a, within an organization, right? Um, and, and I am fascinated by in-home sales. I just will tell you, if, if there's a word that you could use for me, it's curious or fascinated when it comes to in-home sales. And, you know, to the point where I helped my wife start a side business uh, right. not too long ago where she does secret shopping for companies that do in-home yep. sales. And so, you know, I have some data and experience from her doing this with, you know, hundreds of companies where, um, you know, Consumers come into the home and she rate, she racked and stacked them in like 168 different categories. And, and what's amazing to me, Paul, is that some of them do it really well. I mean, they are really good. They don't miss a step. They don't miss a beat. And I mean, it is, it is dialed in and, and I want to, I want to buy from them. I mean, there's just, just hands down. I want to buy from them. Um, you know, some of them pick and choose steps and cut things out that they don't think are important that, you know, really for today's consumer are important and they may not realize they're important. And then some are just terrible. Some it's just a numbers game. If I show up and give a number, I get enough jobs that it's fine. I get my three out of 10 and my boss will be happy. And that's, and I'll just go there. I mean, you know, I think we did one in Dallas or she did one in Dallas not too long ago. Uh, the, one of them, the, the, the fastest was like 17 minutes, a customer, a, an in-home guy was in our house, 17 minutes. And the longest was like an hour and 48 minutes, something like that, an hour and a half, hour and 40 mm -hmm. minutes, something like that. And the difference between those two, as you can imagine, night and day, yeah. night and day. And, and when you're talking about products that cost as much as HVAC or electrical or plumbing, any of these things, any of these in-home services, 
17 minutes just doesn't do it, right. you know? And, and, and again, as, as we, as I help her analyze the results and the data that she's getting from some of these end homes, it's clear to see, you know, who's investing in training, who has great culture within their businesses, who is, you know, doing, you know, follow-up calls, who, you know, who are having their, their, comfort advisors call in and check in after every call and go through what they presented, what, you know, all the offers. And it's clear that those that just say, Hey, even though we spent millions of dollars to advertise, we don't really care. Just go, go get us enough to fill the board. So it's different, but, but consumers expect more today than ever, ever before. You know that. Yeah. You talk to me about those expectations. What, what has changed and what kind of position does that put the new retail sales person in? How do they kind of adapt to that. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if anybody on your show, I don't think I've heard them talk about Gartner or, um, you know, I hear a lot about CEO Warrior and some of those guys, but, you know, I think Gartner did their study not too long ago and they called it the big blue arrow. Do you remember that? Do you remember the big oh, blue yeah. arrow? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the visual that I use all the time. And, and what, for your listeners, the big blue arrow is, is from the time a consumer knows they need something from a service business to the time they make the phone call to have you come to their home. You know, consumers today are like, you know, they're like 80% of the way there, you know, in the decision of who they're going to go with and what they're going to do, um, which is, I mean, they're almost all the way through the process. So as long as you're getting there and you're checking all the boxes off that they've researched, you're probably going to get that job, right? But the, the mix up is they're 80% of the way there. The comfort advisor gets there and they don't do all the things that the consumer researched online, like what should an in-home salesperson do? Load calculation, energy analysis. I mean, I look for hot or cold. So, I mean, all those things, they don't do those. Suddenly, the, the consumer now is saying, let me think about it or I have, an, I have to get another bid or whatever it is because we're not – they don't – the expectations don't match what happens. Yeah. And that's yeah. a huge problem. Which is why a consumer – has to back up and start the process kind of over by themselves yeah. and kind of reorient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could talk pricing and online and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to kind of go back a little bit um, because you reminded me of when you originally left corporate America. Oh yeah. yeah. Software startup. What was your vision with that? Where were you going? Tell me about what, uh, cause that was early. Like, yeah. yeah. This was 2012. Yeah, like 10, yeah, 12, probably 2012. Yeah. I remember being so proud of you. Like I, you were my boss at yeah, the time, I yeah, believe. So yeah. I was disappointed. But at the same time, like this whole software thing started popping up. iPads had just kind of been a thing. I, you know, iPhones were now in everybody's hand. There was so much opportunity and you were like, I'm going first. Yeah. Did you remember though? The, the craziest part is how it started, right? So yeah. we created an app. It was called Add to Cart and it was an in-home sales yeah. tool. It was long. It was way ahead of its time, which was mm -hmm. kind of neat to think that you were ahead of its time, but it was an accident, right? So yeah. it was, I was reading one of my kids a book. Do you remember that? And I it's do. got like a yeah, different yeah. head, a different body, a different feet, yeah. and you can make whatever character you like. And I'm watching yeah. my, my daughter build this thing and she's like, I love it. Perfect. And, and I didn't do anything. I just let her flip through it and I kind of gave her advice. And so we yeah. built that book, Kyle Dottavio. Uh, do you remember Kyle? I do. In yeah. Denver, we, we worked on this together and we built this book, had different air conditioners in one section, different in furnaces, and then different indoor air quality. And we built these things, handed them to customers and they'd sit down with the homeowner and they just flip through, Hey, let's pick your air conditioner. Let's pick your furnace. Let's pick in prices. We're on them. That, so yes, that was, I that remember. was way yeah. before our time, but actually the prices. And, uh, 
and he had dealers that were just killing it using this thing. And, uh, and, and then suddenly the iPad started coming out and people said, Hey, you should, you should make this be an app. And, uh, I did. We just, I, I hired a guy and, and we developed this thing and we put it together. And then, um, it was this working app and people, people loved it. I mean, it was, it was a really neat app. It was, it wasn't a whole sales tool. It was a closing tool, right? Hey, we've yeah, done all the right. stuff. Now let's pick your system. And unfortunately it was a bit of a conflict of interest. Um, so I, to pursue that, I had to leave Linux for a little while and, uh, and went out and kind of did that on my own. And, uh, but you know, Mike Hart was our VP of sales then, and he was, he, he was sneaky, uh, at Linux. And, um, and he had me go do like, um, like mentoring sessions with new district managers and to keep me close. And then, uh, after being alone and kind of not used to being entrepreneurial, he called me on the right day and just said, Hey, come back, come back. I did. And, uh, but the right day, yeah, the right day, but, but add to cart was awesome. I mean, it really, you know, people, people loved it. And, uh, it just, uh, it was just, I was too early. I was too early on that one, Paul. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, think about what you were trying to accomplish in 2012 before contractors had been able to do a zoom meeting. Yeah. So you were trying to sell software at scale yep. that on the, on the street, like you would have to go to distributor meetings and then go to, you absolutely have to go to ride alongs. Yep. Um, it's so wild that you were that early <laughs> yeah. because now you can just do, you know, now you just do a demo over zoom or you send a like a loom video or whatever. It's super easy to see. I still think, I still think the product's early though. The market is more ready to be sold to in that way. Yep. Consumers are certainly ready. Yeah. Um, but the market as a, as a whole, the entire industry, like still is kind of behind the times a little bit. Well, um, well, you know, the, the beauty, which is so weird that we think, you know, I, and I've heard you talk about this on this podcast is, you know, there shouldn't be this mystery, you know, for consumers yeah. as they're waiting, you know, for an hour to just get what you, they called you out for. And that's the price, you know, yeah. it's like this big yeah. shrouded in mystery, like, Oh, we'll get to that. And yeah, we'll get to that. You know, we'll, I'll get you a price in a minute, you know? And, and that's what we l- loved about add to cart is it was transparent for the first time. It was a, a closing yeah. tool that the homeowner had complete control they could see the prices. It built their cart as they went through. And then when they got to what the system that they liked, they knew how much it cost because they built it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And if they didn't like the price, they could like flip back to the left and reduce so, the price. That's right. That's right. And that was, was awesome. That was the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's two words that kind of stick out that and we, we may explore a little bit, but I want to talk to you about some other things as well. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> like collaborative merchandising. So contractors generally, and, and to their to their credit, do not merchandise what they sell well because they want to keep it mm-hmm. clouded in, mm-hmm. in mystery mm-hmm. so that they can go in and get to the home and build value and then take the customer through that way. Um, but when you just put it all out there and say, here are all the things and you can combine them together and here's how much they cost, like that's how normal consumer buying behaviors work. Absolutely. And the companies who are, are starting to figure that out are having a tremendous amount of success with it just because it feels different. It's a, again, like you said, the big blue arrow, arrow customers are further down the path. If you can meet them in a way that's meaningful, that kind of puts the buying to, um, you know, almost on their terms a little bit, as opposed to this vulnerable position of like, I don't even know what is on that piece of paper, that triplicate. So yep. anyways, um, you, you've mentioned some names, so I want to talk about 
uh, leadership and people you've met along the way. You've mentioned Mike's name a couple times. Who are some of the more impactful leaders you've met, to be fair? Well, with with a lot of my career with Linux, I mean, it's obviously it's it's probably it's probably going to be some of the Linux guys, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think about just being a good person, like honest, equitable, fair, um, you know, that walk the talk, you know, that that's Mike all day long, Mike Hart, you know, all day long. Um, he, he's just, he's a good human being. Um, and, and he really, I tell you what, Paul, he, you remember this from working with him. He cared about our customers. I mean, behind yeah. the scenes, he fought like hell to, you know, to help them and on their side, you know, and I mean, that was a, that was a great example, a great mentor of mine. Um, you know, Quan Win. I'll tell you, Quan, I had never had a one-on-one really with any leader until I'm, until Quan became my boss. And, yeah. you know, I, I show up in, in my, my first day when he promoted me to be director of merchandising. And he's like, okay, so we're going to get together every week and you're going to talk about your priorities. I don't know your yeah. projects, your people, and then, you know, and your personal, you know, and, and, and I'm like, really? I'm like, I, I don't have to tell him all this all day long, but I got to where I crave those meetings, you know, because yeah. they were yeah. so impactful, you know, to help keep things rolling in the right direction. And that was, that was special. Um, you know, Brent Schaefer, you and I have a common move with Schaefer, you know, I, Schaefer was one of those leaders and, and everyone's had them to where, you know, you don't know if he really knows everything you think he probably knows or might know just because he was the master at not telling you what to do. Right. You know, as leaders, we have that tendency just hey, here, go do this, 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 especially people that have not gone to school to be a leader. Yeah. Right. You, I mean, you, you, you just do really well at your job. And so you're promoted and then you're promoted and you're promoted and pretty soon you're leading people. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of your instinct just to tell people, here's how I was successful. Go do it this way. And you just, and you, and you have a bunch of minions working for you. Yeah. You know, Shaper was really good for, I think a lot of us because we'd say, all right, so here's my problem. What do I do? And he'd go, uh-huh. Tell me more, tell me more, you know? Yeah. And, and by the time you were done with going through this whole charade, you'd have the answer. Right. Which is exactly what good leaders do. And, 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 and I think I learned, I learned a lot from him. Steve yeah. Wood, Steve was on your, Steve yeah. was on your podcast. I love Steve Wood. I mean, talk about a guy who just, you know, is just so, you know, just modest and humble. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think people would just, you know, climb the mountain for him anytime just because of what he represents and, yeah. and how he leads. I just amazing. Um, you know, and, and Paul, I got I to gotta tell you, I've learned so much just from working with leaders, all leaders across Linux. You know, yeah. that's, it. you know, even though I didn't really have specific mentors, I learned every day from the people that were out in the field and, and, and leading their own teams. You know, they taught me way more than I'll ever, you know, ever teach them. Same. You know, uh, I, I, so I have had the pleasure of working for many of the same people you have. And I remember I'll, I'll share a couple again, listeners, we're just catching up here. Um, when I used to work for Quan, I had the same one-on-ones and it, it had been the first time I had been like, I don't want to say held accountable. Like I was always held accountable for the result, but I wasn't account held accountable for like the day to day to move the needle. And we would meet every Friday morning at nine 30. And he, I had three business objectives for a 12 month period of time. And I would report out on, how I moved those business objectives forward. And see, here's the real takeaway. If you're not consciously having to report out on that every Friday, yep. um, you can go weeks, you can go months without really 
moving the needle and, 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 and actually realizing that like, you're just hoping things happen for you, you know? So like my biggest fear was going into a meeting where I was like, man, last week I told him I was going to do these three things, or I was going to, you know, move this forward. And I'm going to go in and say that none of that happened. And I'm just waiting for the result to happen in and of itself. So that taught me to be accountable for the activities, which is something I, you know, try to use now, but. Well, and, 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 and if you remember, he kept track too. Like other leaders, you'd go oh, in yeah. and you could tell them, Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And they were like, okay, great, great. That's good. See you in a couple of weeks. And, and you get in in a couple of weeks and they never even asked you, you know, Kwan would be like, okay, Hey, last week you said you're going to do this, this, and this. Why didn't you do it? Yeah, you know? I, and yeah, you remember you and Joe, I think that's, that's back in that time period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. learned a ton in those days. I, I can share a hundred Kwan stories, but yeah, he, um, you know, he chiseled me from a, um, undisciplined kind of field <laughs> cowboy into, you know, corporate yep. project management, marketing brand, all, all sorts of things. So I'm, I'm really grateful. I got to see him last week and his wife, Mai down in Jamaica and I saw Brent and Brent's, you know, it's interesting. Like I'll occasionally I'll see some like new business tip that comes through on some sort of like LinkedIn message or meme or whatever. And there was a, uh, something I read that was about the power of silence. I'm like, Brent yep. invented that silence. That like, he did. Just he not did. say anything. I mean, you and I, we, we probably couldn't go 10 seconds right now and just be silent without it. No, I don't listen. I don't even want to try it. That, that, I just that, tried. It was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> yeah. The, the silent game for us growing up was like the worst game ever. Right? Oh, it's the worst. No, you let you just say, you know, say what you need to say and then be quiet, you know, but, yeah. and, and that goes to the in-home selling piece too. Like if you be quiet long enough, customers are going to tell you how they really feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Mike, you mentioned Mike Hart. Um, you know what I admire about Mike? A lot of things. I still think about him. I still feel like I, I still feel like he's looking over my shoulder today. It's so, so weird to, to say that. But um, with Mike, you always knew the standard. Mm-hmm. Like the standard was never in question. And so what was interesting about working for Mike or in Mike's organization is like, I didn't have to ask what great was ever. I never had to ask what the right decision was. I mean, with exception, but Mike knew, you knew the standard when you worked for Mike. And so think about just from a, um, trying to think of the practical application here, like it didn't require Mike managing me. It didn't require Mike giving me a ton of direction. I knew the standard. I knew what to do. I knew how to, knew to execute. Yep. And, um, that was, that was, I think one of Mike's gifts to me was kind of setting that standard. So yeah, I hope he's, hope he's doing well. I text him from time to time. I'm sure he is. Yeah, he, he it's it's really neat too because Mike was always like dressed up, always with his sport coat, you know, like you know, always dapper, oh, yeah. you know. And so now I have lunch with him about every every few weeks, once a month. We have we have lunch, and he's in his Tommy Bahama, you know, button up shirt and his shorts, you know. No and, way. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I'll I'll need pics to prove that. I'll need third party verification. I'll get one next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, Paul, I, I think that's, you know, you, you talk about mentors and you talk about people, you know, people, people is, that was the reason I stayed with, with, you know, Linux for 17 years, yeah. you know, the, the people were amazing from top to bottom, you know, and I mean, you know, I still remember my interview with Gary Bedard, you know, and, and now he's coming back to, to Linux, which is yeah, super exciting. I think that'd be good. But, you know, Robert Meehan, Lanisa, they, they have a team 
right now that really cares about their customers. They want to do the right things. You know, it's and and I think that's that's the important thing that that I think if any of your Linux dealers know is they are they are really passionate about the contractor. Right. You know, and 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 you don't find that in every in every company, you know, and I, I won't bash others, but you know, I think the bottom line becomes much more important to other companies than than actually serving um, the customers. So sure. So you've been out a couple months now. Yep. Um, you left. Gosh, what is it? Two or three months now? July. Can you so believe July. that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, it was your second stint in corporate America. You were climbing the ladder. You jumped off, and now yep. you're in the. I I, I don't want to generalize and say you're in the PE world. Everything's called PE world. But yeah. Um, tell me about what you're up to now and uh, what what's been surprising and interesting in this new world. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It was super exciting. I had this opportunity back in July. Um, you know, the group of dealers that I kind of grew up with in Utah as a territory manager, as a district manager, they all got excited about private equity and, and started a group um, called Intermountain Home Services. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the, the PE group is called Bestige, but then the platform is Intermountain Home Services. And it's, and it's like all the dealers that I worked with for so many years, you know, su- Superior Water and Air, you know, Don at Same Day, Craig's, I mean, it's it, Comfort Solutions. It's all those guys that I knew and I, and I loved because I had worked with them for so long. They all started joining this group. And as the group got bigger and bigger and bigger, they knew that they would need kind of a C-suite, you know, to help them, you know, continue to grow through acquisition, but also grow organically. And so they offered me an opportunity to come work with them kind of in both capacities. So, yeah, I do some of the mergers and acquisitions, some of the M&A stuff, but also they're challenging me and, and, and asking me to do more kind of on the sales and marketing side as well. And so along with our president, Chad Stevens, we're now trying to really start bringing the group together and using our size to scale things and, and, you know, create processes and procedures that are good for everybody to, to benefit while not trying to change what made that dealer special and what made them, you know, successful. You know, we don't want to take things away. We don't want to change their name. We just want to bring them things to help them be better because most of our owners have stayed with us and as we continue to grow. So we're at, a, we're at about, I think we have 11 companies now. We have a couple in LOI and we have a couple that are, that are you know, looking at IOI. And, and, and I think the, the difference and the, and the reason I really like this group is instead of like going all across the North America, they really just are focusing on the mountain states. Right. So, you know, you got Idaho, Colorado, Utah, you know, maybe Nevada a little bit, maybe Arizona, but you know, they wanted, they dreamed of this special thing where all these business owners who used to be competitors are now working together and they're getting together and they're sharing best practices and they're now working as a team. It's, it's, it's unstoppable. I mean, it is, it is something that's really, really special. So it would seem to me that some of the, the bigger and I'll say better platform companies started like that a band of two or three or four friends who just mm-hmm. wanted to work with one another and one was in phoenix and one was in atlanta your sounds like it's more centralized yeah than that um what are some uh what were some of the surprises when you jumped into that role because you, you jump into a role and again this is just us shooting the breeze here you you jump into a role and you think you know what to expect and they think they know who they're getting um <laughs> What were some of your surprises when you 
you know, left the corporate structure and you go over to the fast paced world of PE and 11 brands, what were some, what were some surprises? Yeah, it's, it's so much harder on that side, right? Because, you know, at the corporate side, you have this level of security, you know, whether it's real or not, you feel this level of security and, and the ship goes forward no matter what, you know, those kind of things. But, you know, when you, when you jump in and I'm now working with, with, you know, contractors that every sale matters, every update matters, every, every warranty credit that they didn't get matters. And some of the stuff that, you know, as the OEM that I kind of thought, well, why are they crying about that? You know, what, you know, quit, move on, you know, it's no big deal. Those things really do matter, you know, a lot. And, uh, and it's been fun jumping into this now where the, the, the companies are now starting to call me when they have questions more than just, I can't get my Linux credit. What do I, who do I call or what do I do right. now? They're calling to say, Hey, how do we get better at financing? How do we, how do we do better at, you know, at our sales process? You know, so we don't have a standardized sales process within our group right now. So yeah. I'm building, I'm building that for us. Now, are we going to ask everyone to change? No, but are we going to find some areas for each one of the group to get better? You know, once we have the process built, absolutely. And, uh, and that's going to be super exciting. You know, we're, we're working on, I, did you ever know, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but he, uh, they did comfort commando. Do you remember comfort commando? I was going to talk to you about Shut this because up. you listen, you and I are the only people in the universe who even admit that that was a thing. That was a thing. It was, you is know, it like one of those was. weird C5, things? That, it was like C5 services. Yes. Yeah, something. So I, I remember specifically the players involved in that and I've ran into them over the years and I've brought it up and they look at me like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, but you, you were there. That was the first kind of like real, I'd been on the job maybe six months and you were like, okay, you are going to handle this invoice. You're going to figure out the co-op and the accrual. And that was like one of the first real jobs you gave me outside of my responsibility. But anyways, what what in the world? What, why would you bring up Comfort okay. Commando? No one knows about that. But you I know, and, and look, and maybe it's just because they didn't deliver good content. But they gave <laughs> something to me, and, and I don't remember it, where the meeting was. But they talked about the three rings. So oh, here's yeah. this. Yep. This is another nugget. And I don't know if you remember this from Classic. Comfort Commando, but yep. everything everything revolves around the three rings. Yep. Make the phone ring. So that's all your marketing, advertising, you know, customer experience kind of stuff, right? Make the doorbell ring. So that's all the importance of converting those calls and everything into in-homes, whether service or sales or whatever, and then make the cash register ring. And that's all the sales processes and things that you got to do to to actually get the sale. And, And I hold that close to my heart because I can walk into any company and say, how are you doing in the three rings? Right. And most of the time, most companies are doing really well at one or two of them, but Mm -hmm. rarely do you have a company that's good at all three. Right. Right. And so, you know, as my bag of tricks, if I can find one of those rings that they're not doing well in and help them do better at that, instant. I mean, they see instant changes within their business. I mean, substantial monetary changes. Uh, once they, I mean, if we can get the in homes from thirty percent to sixty percent, you essentially doubled your opportunity to get a sale with inside the home, right? Yeah. Or you take a comfort advisor from a closing ratio of twenty five percent, which the industry allows, up to fifty percent, you've doubled the sales. I mean, and so it's it's substantial uh, differences once you focus on those three rings. Um, 
you know, in, in helping businesses. And that's what, that's what I'm taking with me around to each one of these companies as I dig a little deeper into their business. You know, how are they doing in those three rings? Because, you know, sometimes companies think, oh, I just need to advertise more. I just need to advertise more. Sure. They, they may need to turn it off. If they're not getting a lot of in-homes and their closing ratios are low, they should turn it off because they're just losing customers and losing money. You know, and, and that's something that people don't think about all the time. They think, oh, we're not doing – our board's not full. Crank up the advertising. Right. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we just need to do a little better on the phone. Maybe a little better have experience you know, when they call in. You know, and, and those are the things that are really important. So Comfort Commando, that's – I'm glad you remembered them because uh, I so use that – I've used that for 25 years in this business. So speaking of things we've been using for 25 years, I want to talk about the sales process that you're going to be rolling out to your, to your organization, but, um, how much of the modern selling process as a whole today was shaped by the train boot camp from the, Oh my God, Steve Howard. Oh yeah. Steve Howard with the act group that talk, there's another mentor, right? Um, yep. I remember when I was in customer service, they sent me to the boot camp, and it just changed my world. I mean, and, 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 you know, Paul, that was kind of that era two sales, you know, it's like asking the questions, the 10, 10 magic questions yeah. and, but it was a process and it was the questions. And, and, and I think era two, 20 years ago was ahead of its time, you know, cause era one, if you go back to era one, that's, that's the Ron Popeil, right? That's, you just throw as much as you can and you hope a customer needs one or two of those things, it slices it, dices it, cuts it, you know, <laughs> Julianne's and you hope that that customer says, Oh, I need that. And they'll buy right. era two got into Steve Howard was a pioneer to say, Hey, do you have hot or cold spots? Talk to me about that. Tell me a little more about that. And then at least you had something to try to sell them on that was important to them. And I mean, it, it, it was a game changer for, for people that went to that and moved from era one to era two. And, and it's, and it's kind of exciting to, to see that we're going into this new third era that, that is very difficult and that's insight selling, you know, that's leading with a story, that's storytelling, you know, it's, it's, it's using data and analytics to help consumers understand things more than just, you know, it's show versus tell. There's a lot that's in this era three that I think people are slowly coming into, but man, uh, Greg Woodman, did you know Greg Woodman? I don't. He was, I think they called him Woody. And I think I probably sat through 20 of his boot camp classes, you know, when yeah. I was a train. Just amazing. Amazing. So the third era, this is mm -hmm. what you're going to be installing within your business. Um, okay. The things you named like insight, selling, storytelling, using data and analytics aren't things that I hear people generally talking about. So you're kind of creating your own third era from your little viewpoint to a degree, what, um, what's it look like and how do you plan to, you know, get it for lack of a better word installed within your, your organization? Yeah, it, it it's going to be hard, right? Because yeah. if it was, e if it was easy to do, everyone would be doing it right now. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and especially it's hard if you already have a comfort advisor or a salesperson, you know, that's already selling 2 million or $3 million. Cause that's, that's, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. So you think, do I really need to do more? The, the answer is yes, because mm -hmm. it's, it's all about the experience. So it, it'll be baby steps, Paul, you know, we will, we will come up with insights kind of from the Intermountain Home Services level that yeah. will feed down to some of these comfort advisors and we'll start having Zoom meetings and we'll start having one-on-ones where, you know, we can give them some things to talk about to consumers that they may not be thinking about or they may not have researched 
you know, in that blue, big blue arrow before they, they called us, you know, where they can do a little bit more storytelling and instead of, uh, instead of just talking about features and benefits, right? When you think back to the days you were doing the sales classes at Lennox, Dave Lennox Advantage and all that, you're working, I remember there was probably 50 or 75 customers throughout the region that were kind of working through that. Does it feel like you get to kind of do that again with like a much smaller? Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and again, it's, we'll, smart, we'll start small with little wins, but it's things like this. Think, think about this for a minute. You know, you, you, no matter how good you do on the first side of making, you know, the call ring and then the doorbell ring, that comfort advisor shows up and, you know, that consumer is expecting certain things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, little things like, you know, when they knock on the door and they step back, you know, they, they have a name badge with their face on it and their name on it to where they can go, you know, they can hold it up and point to it and say, hey, I'm Scott Lindsay with ABC Heating. You know, thanks for having us out today. We're going we're gonna to have we're gonna have a lot of fun, you know. And, yeah. and then when they walk in the door, do they say, hey, can we sit down somewhere safe for a minute? I hear I people I, I cringe when I hear people trying to tell people. Can we sit down at the kitchen table for a little while and talk about, you know, what we're going to do today? You know, because kitchen table may not be where you want to go. You know, right. if you if you ask to go to my kitchen table, I'm embarrassed now that you showed up because I got Fruit Loops on the table and, you know, probably some syrup from my, you know, my 16 year old son, you know. And so now you've started off by embarrassing me in the sales process. But if you say, hey, is there somewhere safe we can sit down for just a few minutes and talk about our agenda today? They'll take you to wherever they're most comfortable in the house. That's where you're most likely to get a sale. You know, so it's just all these little tiny things that, that we need to do kind of ahead of time to where you can tell a good story and people will listen later because you've earned the right to tell the story. You've earned the trust, you know? So I'm distracted by the fact that Gavin is 16. Isn't that crazy? Yes. 16. My Goodness. Yes. I cannot believe how yeah. fast time flies. I remember yeah. when he was born. Yeah. I yeah. I, yeah. Chloe was talking about babysitting Aiden and Olive and Irie not too long ago. We were talking about, you know, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, she'd come to your house and she thought she was like little miss, you know, I'm going to tall Paul's house, you know, and <laughs> Aiden was as tall as her, I think when, as he was babysitting, but it's fun. Well, she knows she has a, a standing job offer, <laughs> which is which is cool. It's cool that like, you know, you want to help your kids, but then when you get to a position in business and you're in, you know, time and time passes and you're like, wow, I can start to hire my friend's kids and help shape their career and, you know, be a handout that I wish I had when I was 22 or 23 years old or whatever that's, but it also just makes you realize how, one, how fast time moves and we're getting old, Scott. I know. I know. I know we are. My kids we, remind me, my kids remind me I'm getting old every day. <laughs> No doubt. So what are you most excited about right now? What's kind of got your, what, what's got you, um, you know, you've always got a little something in your bag of tricks. Like what's most exciting and interesting to you right now? Yeah, you, you, you know me too well. Uh, so right now I am super excited about the term new collar, new, Oh, new collar. So everyone know you, everyone knows blue collar, right? Yep. So, you know, blue collar is kind of that construction worker in your mind. You automatically kind of see that, you know, they're wearing a safety vest. That's blue collar. Yeah. Everyone knows white collar, right? So that's Wall yeah. Street. That's you're working in a day job, you know, with people being such an important part of our business, right? In HVAC or electric or plumbing, or you name the in-home service, people, people is the most important thing. I, I am on a mission to try to help influence 
high school kids, college kids, that we have industries called new collar, where you're, you're more specialized, does not require a college degree. You know, there is a lot of, ex- there's extensive training, um, a very specialized job opportunities and specialized job duties within that new collar trade. It can be computers, it can be animation, it could be automation, it could be, you know, um, you know, electrical. There's a lot of things, but I am, I am working really hard. And as a matter of fact, you know, on our, on our um, LinkedIn account, I'm going to start talking a lot about new collar and opportunities because we've got to help get the next generation into our trades and we've got to make it, it's, it's got to feel a little bit more sexy. And, uh, and, and I think that new collar is, is going to be a key to our success in getting some of these, these people who will be great, but don't want to go wear a safety vest in their mind when they think about HVAC. And that's not what it is anymore, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I, I love it. And it's got me thinking of like, when you think about blue collar and white collar, you think of like two very, very separate things, right? Yes. Yes. And you also think that like, this also goes back to the whole, like, should I go to college? Should I not go to college? Like it depends. It depends a lot on the individual. It depends a lot on a lot of different things. Like what kind of family you're raised in. Like for me, it was absolutely critical for me to go to college. Do I, did I need to go to college to technically do what I do today? No. Did I need to go to college for a lot of other reasons? Absolutely. Yes. And it's not the case for everybody, but. I think what you have is, and this is what I love, I love the name new collar. You have this kind of convergent convergence of like white collar things like technology and finance and operations and all of that. And then you have the blue collar world of like trades and all of those sort of things. And then with technology, they kind of merge. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you can have, you can be like, think about how many, and this is just not pointing it, pointing at anyone in particular, but like sometimes I'll talk to companies like yours and we'll be doing, you know, discovery calls or just different conversations with people that are trying to implement e-commerce and you'll show up to this call and it'll be, you know, someone like, um, you know, an HVAC founder who has since partnered with private equity, who's bringing his team and his team has people from McKinsey and it has people from Goldman Sachs and it has yep. people from, you know, West Point or wherever. Right. Yep. And it's like this convergence of like, okay, there are these, you know, desirable white collar jobs in these foundational rock solid bulletproof for lack of a better word industries. And you can merge those kind of two. So yeah, like I, I, I don't love the whole argument of like not go to college or go to, go to college at all. There's so many different variables that play into that mission critical for me. My kids are going, yep. do they have to go? No. But anyways, that's another, another conversation. Um, but so new collar, I love it. Yeah. So, so help me, help me make this be a thing in our trades, Paul, because to your point, there is a middle ground and there's a middle ground where people can make a lot of money, have great careers, satisfying careers, doing things that make a difference every single day. And, uh, and I'm really, that's got me, I'm like all spun up right now on this. It's kind of like, I'm also spun up right now, just kind of on a localized thing is, is you've seen probably some of these things where, you know, guy got a new truck and it says hashtag HVAC paid for this. You know, I, I am, I'm trying to help pioneer that forward or pay that forward, you know, to do more things like that, just to create more awareness because we need people, you know, I think, I think we have, I think we have 22 opportunities right now in my group, you know, that we would, we would hire somebody today and they're making, I mean, these are high revenue jobs. I mean, some of these could be six figure jobs, you know, for the right person that's, that's, that can really focus on that middle ground. 
So. Yeah, kind of unrelated, but kind of not. And again, listeners, we are friends catching up here. Um, you know, Aiden. So it might obviously you know you've yep. got Chloe in college, yep. got Aiden in college, Aiden, and Aiden sees what I do. And well, first of all, what I do looks very very boring to him and all my children. Are like you sit in front of a computer in the corner of your house, you know, full time. Um, but when I think about like, I would love for him to be in the tech space. I would love for him to be an entrepreneur and all these things, but like, I really, really want him to go to corporate America for at least 10 to 12, 13 years or something like that. I think you learn so much. You get kind of, um, so, so many muscles built that you can't replicate and you can't just jump out and start. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of, again, rambling. I just, I think it really builds a, a strong yep. you know, foundation. But that's kind of cool that he stumbled into something he's passionate about that he could, he could do videography or he could do something, you know, go oh, yeah. work for a production company or something for years. And, and I think he's, it's, it's nice that he's found what he loves and maybe he can turn that into that career and, and do some, you know, corporate, a corporate stint before yeah. he does something on his own. But I, I, yeah. I love his videos. I, every time I see one, you know, I'm like, Oh, that was good. That was better than the last one. You know, <laughs> it's fun to watch just yeah, in, he, and this, how long he, I mean, he's only loved doing this for a year. Yeah. I mean, he's been tinkering around with the camera for a couple of years now, but yeah, he went to school and the long story short is for listeners who don't know, he's at Appalachian state university roll nears and he, um, was flying a drone over the stadium to create a, you know, video hype video for some friends and the school hired him. So now he works for the athletic department, soon to be the football team and travels with the team and gets treated like a division one athlete and just creating content. But in a world where like micro content really, really matters, that's a really cool skill. Um, but anyways, um, you mentioned people and I could go on to, by the way, we're doing this again, but, um, (laughs) this is not a one and done. Um, you mentioned people, I have a whole thing I want to talk about people, but I'm going to bypass that. Um, you have traveled the country and Canada yep. from coast to coast. You've met with thousands of contractors. Who are some of the most impressive contractors that you've met from an operational leadership standpoint? Oh, well, or, or or one or the other. You know, I've met so many good ones that are so good at specific things, right? I mean, very rarely do you run into somebody who's good at everything. You know, you don't, you don't see the Paul Kellys every day, you know, that that just has found a way to do everything wonderfully. You know, you don't see those, but, but man, you, you think about, geez, I think I kind of started like up in the Pacific Northwest, right? And I, I think about Matt Evans at environmental, or I think it, I I love what Matt does. I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. I, I think of, you know, Jason Hansen at Superior or Sierra Pacific. I think of Ray Broman at Honeys. I think of, yeah. geez, I think, you know, Frank DeMarco, you know, what he's done at Service Champions. I mean, I, ah, oh, um, man, I, this, this one's almost unfair because there are so many that I just love and admire that, yeah. you know, I, so, uh, Rob Anderson, I got to tell you, you yeah. know, Rob Anderson, who, who ran Superior Water and Air, turned that into this little mom and pop water shop into a $30 million. I have learned, so much from Rob Anderson, you know, in the last six months about really selling and building trust. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me, you know? Um, oh yeah, Paul, I'll, I might have to think about that one for a minute because, you know, a lot of my time was in the West. So I'm, I'm a little, yeah. I lean a little more to the West, but you know, Ross Albert, geez, I mean, what, what a stud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think, um, Mm. Oh, Rick Walter down at Rightway. I, I loved Rick Walter at Rightway. Tucson. I mean, Tucson. Yeah, yeah. He, he was amazing. 
I, and I know I'm, I'm forgetting. Have you ever been to, um, ABC home and commercial? Oh, in oh my goodness. Bobby, Bobby Jenkins. Uh, Jenkins. Yes. Oh, and his brother, Dennis and Dallas. Yeah. And I mean, those Jenkins boys, I mean, you talk about a machine. Oh yeah. You know, I, I told, uh, I told, I told Nate Ritchie, who's, you know, he's the founder of Vestige. You know, he's my boss's boss. Basically. I was like, if you wanted to find the best company ever for PE, you go, we go get ABC. You know, and that that's a platform in itself. Those guys They're are amazing. Yeah. yeah. And just do things the right way. And Absolutely. Humble and own the community in a, in, the, in a right way. Not It's just, I, I could go on and on. If I had a nickel for every time I talk about my admiration for Bobby Jenkins. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, and, and you think about even like closer home. I live in Texas. I live in Dallas, you know, like, you know, Texas Ace, you know, you oh, know, yeah, Sean yeah. at Texas Ace and Jordy. I mean, I mean, they, they're a new construction, right? They do, yeah. they dominate new construction, do some matter replacement, but, but man, those guys, anybody who says, you know, who should I call in Texas? I call Sean, call my buddy, Sean. Yeah. He, he makes a home feel comfortable. He just knows how to do it, you know? And you now are they the best at marketing and advertising? Probably not. You know, are they the best at their books? I, I don't know, you know, but every dealer has like one or two things that I just absolutely love, you know, and I, it, it'd be hard to name all of them. Very hard. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you another selfish question here. Okay. If you're listening, so I'm thinking about your business. I'm thinking about the 11 locations and soon to be more yep. brands and soon to be more. Yep. Um, I'm, and we've been all over the place here. So if a listener has hung with two friends that are catching up this entire time, <laughs> I want you to give one tool in your toolbox or your, uh, what, do we, what did we call it earlier? My bag your, of tricks, um, your bag my of goodie bag that a, um, that a contractor, whether it's an owner or an employee of, of a contractor listening to this today, um, can kind of integrate into the business that will make one of the rings happen, phone ring, doorbell, cash register, or just bring value to their business. One little bag of tricks, Scotty, one or one little tool out of the toolbox. Man, if I, if I had to grab one, um, you know, it, it's it's got to be making the doorbell ring that's 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 gotta be no no i you know what i no i well look, you know what we'll go there so what is a conversion tactic so you're when you say making the doorbell ring most people yep. are thinking marketing but what you're thinking is it's actually converting the phone calls the Correct. existing customers all the calls into actual in homes so here's talk about that here, here's what i used to hear all the time i'd be in visiting with the customer anywhere usa right and i'd kind of be overhearing as i'm talking with the owner of the business and phone would ring and the the the, the, the guy or the gal would say you know thanks for calling so-and-so and then I'd, I'd kind of be listening and they'd say oh i'm sorry we don't offer pricing you know over the phone yeah. and then they i'd hear something and then they'd say okay thanks for calling and then they hang up right all day all day all day every day and i'd be like stop did you hear did you just hear that and then the guy'd be, yeah, they're probably just asking for price, you know. I was like, tire kickers. I was like, yeah, because they want to work with you, because they've done research on you, so they called you to, you know, to to get a little transparency and help. And we just said, no, we won't want to help you. And thanks for calling. Have a great day. And and we hung up, and we think we just did our job. We, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're happy with that. How much did that lead just cost you? Is that $350 or 400 or whatever? You know, I mean, how much did that losing that customer going to cost you now over the lifetime of your business and all those things? And, and we just allow that to happen because we're so busy. We're focused on other things that we're okay with that. And so 
you know, I, I think Paul, I, I, you know, I love that you guys are a pioneer in this, you know, with contractor commerce. I, I, I know that, that, that homeowners crave, uh, truth, you know, they can trade consist, they crave consistency. They, they crave transparency. They crave those things. And, and, we have not worked well as an industry to create those moments that they crave when they call in, right? right. We don't, you know, Brigham Dickinson and, and his group at Power Selling Pros, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're awesome. I love what they yeah. do. I think they're trying to change the industry and, and make things better. And I love them, but you, know, you don't always need Brigham. You know, you can start yourself, you know, and, and just little things. But, you know, I think if you can just help your teams come up with a process, create an acronym, you know, even, hey, secret shop, you know, sit down with the people that answer your phone and say, hey, what are the top 10 calls we get the most? Okay, so start here. What are the top 10 calls you get the most every day? Write them up on the board. Okay. And then say, you know, let's call, let's secret shop a couple of our competitors and see how they answer those top 10 things. Yep. Right. I'm looking for a price or I'm kicking tires. I'm doing, you know, whatever it is. Let's see how they respond. And then afterwards, let's talk about how we felt as consumers listening to that happen. Right. And uh, and, and what what I found, Paul, is they don't feel real good. Right. Yeah. And, and they tear up. Oh, man, I can't believe they didn't do that. They didn't show any empathy. You know, they didn't they, you know, they didn't they didn't say, I'm sorry that this has happened to you. They just say, well, let me see if I can get you on the schedule, you know, and right. and and before too long, though. You make a couple of those calls, the people that answer your phone, they will come up with what needs to happen. Yeah. They, they will say, we need to start by making a you know great introduction. Then we need to, you know, have some empathy on the call and show a little bit of empathy. And then we need to, you know, we need to have some action. What action are we going to take with them on the call? And, you know, what, and again, come up with something, make it, um, you know, you know, make it something that's repeatable and then do it and get good at it because that call sets the foundation of the rest, you know, and, and if they've had a great experience with empathy and all those things, when that comfort advisor gets to their house, it's a totally different dynamic. And the chances of them closing that job are so much greater if they've had a great experience full of empathy, you know, you know, you know. I think about, Perfect. I think about, oh, here's one, here's one other one. Yeah. I think if everyone can understand feel felt found. Ah, I was hoping you would say this one. Right? Yep. Um, Go ahead. You know, feel, everyone has kind of their their tricks and and I use this one with all my kids. I use it in business. I use it all the time. And you know, it's yeah. when somebody, you know, hey, hey, you know, somebody calls in they're looking for a price. Hey, look, I understand how you feel. You know, you know, you just you, it it would be great if we could just give you a price over the phone. You know, I I felt that way myself. You know, when, when I'm trying to find a, a product and I, and I just want the price and I get kind of feel like the runaround, but let me tell you, here's what I found. You know, I found that when we come out and we actually look at your whole home and we take the proper measurements and we get you the right size, there's no guessing or gaming and we get you what you need instead of, you know, this estimate that may be off or not. I mean, so that's just a quick feel felt found, you know, using that so scenario, but you know, it works. And as a matter of fact, I used it on, we talked about Chloe. I think I used it on Chloe for years when she was a teenager. And then finally, Debbie, my wife, Debbie, she goes, you know, he's just using feel found on you, don't you? <laughs> and, uh, and Chloe's like, what? And so Debbie taught Chloe what feel felt found was. And the next time I tried it, Chloe's like, I want to hear that feel felt found crap, dad. You know, oh, I yeah. just, you know, <laughs> now so, she's using it now as she, she prepares for a sales job, but now she's using it and she yeah. incorporates some of those, you know, little bag of tricks things. One more, just in case you need one. 
All right, I'm, gonna spill, I'm spilling all my candy in the lobby here. Okay. <laughs> um, three deep, three deep. If, if we could get technicians, salespeople, managers, owners to go three deep when they're talking to consumers or talking and asking questions, it changes the entire dynamic of the conversation. So, you know, when you say, Hey, Paul, do you have any hot or cold spots in your house? Do Not you? really. Not really. Okay. Well, well, tell me more. So, you know, you know, if if you if you go a little deeper, and what people yep. okay, let me back up. What people would normally say if you said not really, they would just move on. Yes, absolutely. They'd yeah. move on. They'd go. There's no there's no no dog to hunt here. You know, we'll scratch that off. They'll go to the next question. But if they're thinking about how do I ask a couple more questions, the conversation could be. Uh, I completely understand. And so you said not really. You said not really, right? And so I I completely understand. The reason I asked is that in a lot of homes that we do that are like yours, where the master bedroom is, is on the second floor, is those generally tend to get a little bit hotter in the summertime. And I just was making sure that wasn't a problem. So that's not a problem. Now that you mentioned it, it is. Okay. So I, I'm glad we're talking about this. And so, you know, do you notice this in the summer and in the winter? Or is it just the summer, you know? It's actually more so in the winter. And the only reason I notice it is because my wife's always so upset about the blankets. We're always tugging the yeah. blankets. So you're doing that whole thing where you have to move blankets on and off. I mean, so, so it, you know, so anyways, you get the point I, I where yep, yep. As, you, as you try to ask three or more questions, yep. it becomes a conversation. There becomes pain or opportunities for pleasure. And then you can actually have something to, to offer versus just a checklist where you, where you've not gained anything. So, so listeners, there it is. Three different things you can apply to your business. Number one, top 10 calls, analyze them. Yep. Ask your team how they would handle it. Secret shop it. Number two, feel felt found. Number three, three deep. And Scott, you have a, you literally have a a boat to go catch. Like you told me you had to be done 15 minutes ago. So um, you've been so generous with your time. We're going to do this again. I want this to be, um, you know, a casual catch up from time to time, um, for listeners who want to get to know you a little bit more or learn more about Intermountain yep. Home Services, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can find us, you know, LinkedIn, I think is always a great one. Um, you know, easy to get a hold of them, uh, Intermountain Home Services. Um, uh, you know, my, my contact permission is S Lindsay at Intermountain Um, Four six nine three two five zero one two nine, and and that's the, that's the thing that I Paul, we, I appreciate you letting me put my information out there. If you just have a question about private equity, but you don't know who to turn to to ask, you know, some a lot of people just say, I don't, I didn't just need to know a little bit more. Give me a call. I mean, you don't have to be in our area, and I can certainly help guide you through some of these things because uh, it, it's a process. It's a great opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity, but sometimes you just need somebody that's that's not part of it, you know, to answer your questions, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast. I hope this podcast today was valuable for you. If you liked this podcast, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and write a review. And if you have an idea of a guest or a topic, leave it in the notes of our YouTube feed. If you are interested in learning more about Contractor Commerce, go to contractorcommerce.com, click learn more, and my team will hook you up.